January 17th edition of the Crash the Pond podcast. Welcome back, everybody. It's been a week since we've talked to you. Happy Martin Luther King Jr. Day. We actually have an actual holiday, Jake. A real holiday. A real holiday. I, I don't have to... I don't have to go reaching. I don't have to go fishing for one. Uh, big holiday. So keep keep everything in mind about the message of this day. I think it's it's an important one to take note of. That being said, though, Jake, I do want to ask you this. This has been something that that's kind of come to my mind. You know, players in the NHL have pregame rituals. You know, they like Sidney Crosby has infamously has a very elaborate pregame ritual routine. Do you have any pre podcasts? rituals this is what the people want to know the behind the curtain look um typically if i mean mo- this is most of the time what i do pre-podcast not what i did today because works a little bit late typically rush home get home at 5 30 get a nice workout in eat quick as as quick as i can at seven hop in the shower or bath for a little decompression after working out and then throw some clothes on set everything up get everything going for you and start the <laughs> podcast Wow, it's a pretty uh, quick and efficient uh, process. You, you really laced in all the, you really checked all the boxes in that. that Whereas reply. today, instead of that, what I ended up doing was got home, ate, laid on my bed, and watched TikToks to decompress. Yeah, that's that's not good. TikTok sucks. <laughs> much much different. Um, yeah, well, I was thinking about that because I I took a cold shower before our, our pod today, and I've been on the. I mean, I've I'm all about the cold showers in the morning. It's part of my routine, but. I may have to start making this a regular thing pre-pod as well. I'm feeling like a million bucks. I feel like I'm I'm ready to have a great show. Is, I don't isn't know that how what you do? It. Isn't that what you want to hear? I don't know how you do it, man. People are just people just hate cold water. That is what I've learned. It and, hurts. <laughs> I mean, it it's it stings a bit for like a minute, and then you're fine. At most, a minute. Like your body get gets used to it very quickly. Why know. would I choose to take a cold shower as compared to taking a hot shower? I love it. There's a lot of science about the benefits of the cold shower. I'll let people Google them. Um, but highly recommend. Highly recommend if you're a podcaster out there listening to us to, to do one before recording or before you do anything, really. <laughs> Jake's just shaking his head over there. Okay. Well, we've got some fun stuff to talk about this week. So yeah. the, the, the Ducks GM search. Is heating on up. We talked about it last week as well, but now we have a little more. There's a little more color to it. There, there's a little more detail that we can kind of piece out. And then there's also some games to talk about, and just kind of like the state of the state of the union for this team. And that is that is where I want to start because the Ducks have lost eight of their last ten games. They've lost some ugly games. I mean, they got they got hosed by the Wild on Friday. They got blanked by the Blackhawks on Saturday. They lost to the Penguins on Tuesday. Like this just has not been a good stretch for the Anaheim Ducks. Their playoff odds are, are dwindling. They're at 25% to make the playoffs per money puck, roughly 20% from the athletics model and up to 50% from Micah McCurdy's model. So how, you know, is there even anything to worry about right now for this Ducks team? Or like, if you're a Ducks fan, are, are you, are you even concerned at all? In the, in, the, in the grand it's tough. things. It's tough because, honestly, I go back and forth at it all the time. Because <laughs> you and I – no, but you and I legitimately, when, when talking about the, the Blackhawks game the, uh, on Saturday, there there were certain things that were obviously very, very concerning with the way they played, with the way that they were set up, various different things like that. Um, but when you also think about it, they're missing – in that game, they were missing Cam Fowler. 
They were missing Troy Terry. They were missing Sonny Milano. Like mm-hmm. that is the Ducks' best defenseman this season. <laughs> well, yeah, John Gibson also, but their their best defenseman this season. They were missing two, basically their two best wingers, two of the rest forwards. I mean, you would probably say their two best forwards. I would say Trevor Zegers included in there, so two of their best three mm-hmm. forwards this season. Um, and that's going to cause a pretty big impact on your lineup. And then you add in the fact that Adam Henrique is out. It, it's just the types of players that are missing. Uh, are huge in terms of the the importance to their lineup. And so I think it's hard not to look at that. But I think at the end of the day, where I kind of fall on this is I think global big picture wise evaluation of the team, I'm not concerned because of the way that this, uh, or not concerned based on the way these last couple games have gone. I think there is concern with the way Dallas Akins has handled it though. And I think that that's kind of where you can transition to it that, the good coaches in this league are able to take their lineups that are depleted, that don't have all their guys, and are still able to have the team that can play solid hockey, that can uh, push the pace towards other team, win the expected goal battles. You think about like the Pittsburgh Penguins, for instance, with Mike Sullivan. Um, I mean, God, they've missed how many games from Crosby? How many games from Malkin? Like these are top end players. And he's been able to put together a system where Jeff Carter was the first-line center for significant portions of the season. Danton Hyam was a first-line winger for them and was able to put in a system where they could end up becoming successful. And, and so part of that is identifying the proper players. Part of it's putting in the right system. And I think the concern that I have right now is that Dallas Akins isn't necessarily doing that. And I think that that kind of falls in line with what you and I have thought is that he's had a better season. I think he's been a better coach. He's made some better decisions overall this season from a lineup perspective, but there are still flaws and certain things in, in the way that he coaches the game, uh, coaches the team and sets up the lineup. And in more, uh, he's more so kind of a a neutral um, coach than he is, whether he's, whether good or bad this year. And I think that's really kind of showing uh, showing itself in this last little stretch because he's not able to find ways to still have the team playing well when they don't have their best horses out there. Yeah, because they're also getting outplayed in some of these games, right? I mean, the, the underlying numbers aren't quite as bad in, in some of these contests, but they've also been not where you would hope to see them against some lesser opponents. And so... I don't love the Mike Sullivan example because, like, Mike Sullivan is one of the three best coaches no, in the no, NHL but, at worst. At very so my, worst. My, my point in saying that like, is yes, giving Dallas an example Akins, of a— Dallas Dickens uh, is confirmed to not be as good of a coach as, as Mike Sullivan. No, but that's kind I'm of— I'm pretty sure we knew that already. My, my point in saying that, though, is the fact of you yeah. can see the, the complete difference between what a, an elite-level coach can do with a poor lineup versus what a guy like Dallas Akins can do, who is more so kind of middle of the road. Well, I think so. Here's there's two parts to that conversation. The first mm-hmm. part is that this the the absences in the Ducks lineup have kind of just brought to light what we had already been seeing, even when the Ducks were fully healthy, which is that Dallas Akins loves his depth guys and plays them probably more than he should. Um, I mean, I'm thinking specifically of the Isaac Lindstrom line, even the fourth line at times. Like he just loves his depth guys. And when some of his top guys are out, instead of stacking really the top six and just leaning into that, he almost leans more into like the Grant Lundestrom Silverberg line than, than he would a, a more offensive line. And it's just a misevaluation of the guys that I think he has at his disposal. So that's part one. And, and that part, I think you can't let Aikens fully off the hook there. But the other part of that is that this roster and its depth specifically at forward 
it's just suboptimal. They don't have good. They don't have good forward depth. Well, and and when and you I think lose, even on defense also. Yeah, and and so when you lose a couple pieces like a Terry, like a Zegris, a Milano, um, sure, like those are three of your very best forwards, and there's not a lot of teams who can survive that. But the Ducks support supporting cast, if you can even call them call them that, aren't doing much supporting at all, except supporting the other team's shot metrics. Like they're not. They're not players that are actually going to help you stay afloat during the storm. And that's the problem. And so this is more, this is even more to me a reflection of the warts of, of Bob Murray, who is now gone and just how this roster. Yes. There were a lot of people who were singing Bob Murray's praises as the ducks were going on their streak, as Troy Terry was breaking out and that were kind of saying, Hey, don't forget that this is Bob Murray's team that, 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 and he's the one who built this. But let's not forget, like, in these moments as well, I think that this is still a roster issue as much, if not more, than it is a coach. I mean, issue. look no further than the Athletic put out their their player cards. And they one of the interesting things with those player cards that I found was they assigned a, a value, right, based upon the production that the players have done, their on-ice uh, their on ice stats along with that, both offensively and defensively, along with penalty, power play and penalty kill and everything like that, and assigned a market value to that and compared that to what they were getting paid. And the Ducks really found a lot of value in guys like Troy Terry, who I believe that I'll, I'll double check it once I'm done uh, talking, but I believe he was like at 11 mil is I think what they said his value should be based upon how he's producing and playing this year. But then you look at Derek Grant, who is actually ne- like worth negative money. Him and Nick <laughs> Deloria are, are legitimately worth negative money, which goes to show that they're just not NHLers. Like right. that is what that, that shows you is that, in an ideal world, they would not keep getting be getting paid anything in the NHL. Like, right. it, like that is what that is showing right there. But the problem is that, to me, this is not even really an analytics versus eye test thing. I think if you watch no. so, these guys play, they're not good NHL real quick, players. Market value for Derek Grant would be negative 0.1 mil. Market <laughs> value for Nick DeLaurier, negative 0.6 mil. <laughs> yeah, so... so- so, just, so, just soak that up. Troy, Troy Terry was at 7.9 millisecond. So is where D- he was Dallas Akins is the one that's playing these guys and elevating them, and that's a problem. But it's also a problem that these guys were brought in, were extended, right? Like, there's there's issues there. And so everybody's kind of to blame. And so if you're going to make a pie chart for the blame, I think it's, what would you call it, 60-40 Murray in terms of how this is going right now? It's funny. We're blaming for someone how's- who's no longer with the team, but – like 70 30 70 30 murray yeah okay I, I i'd say so i mean it's funny when when you have a guy like sam carrick and buddy robinson get called up from the ahl and they're better than you're already in place fourth liners right who you're paying you know non-trivial money to yeah i mean he, here's here's the overall concern i'm just kind of looking at the numbers the ducks since coming back from the break where that first game back was against vancouver they've had one game where they were above 50 percent expected goals four percentage yeah and that was against the colorado avalanche but the rest the, of the games yeah oh sorry go ahead the the rest of the games they've been under uh under 50 percent and the thing is, well, yes, some of them, those teams have been good. Vegas is a team that's really been climbing there. Pittsburgh, also great. Minnesota, also good. But in that same breath, they've also been playing some teams that aren't necessarily that great from an expected goals four percentage. They've been playing the Chicago Blackhawks. They've been playing the Detroit Red Wings, who are kind of middle of the road. They've been playing one of the worst teams in the league, the Philadelphia Flyers. 
and lost the expected goals battle to them. I believe the New York Rangers also kind of middle of the road. Vancouver Canucks, like it, it, Vancouver, like caved them in at 31% expected goals, four percentage for the Ducks in that game. And so it, it's just, I, I think the concern that I have is that even when they are um, missing players, they shouldn't be losing the on ice battle at five on five this badly to some of these teams that they've played. Yeah. And again, I'm willing to give Aikens a, a, a fair bit of slack because again, like this is just a situation that no one should really have to deal with. Um, but you, you also have to evaluate what's happened. And I don't think he's necessarily done himself any favors either. So with all that being said, I think spinning this forward now and just after you've divvied up the blame, I think that this kind of puts the Ducks right where we thought that they were going to be, even though the reasons for them being here are kind of outside of their control. If you look at the the Pacific Division race right now, I mean, the, the Ducks are no longer, they're, they're far from a sure thing now to make the playoffs. Like, you know, a couple of months ago, I was said on this podcast that they were making the playoffs and that is in jeopardy. There, there's no question. Um, but, yeah, I mean, but, the the issue there is the 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 points accumulation that's gone. It, like, wh- how, winning two games of your last ten does not do you any favors in that. Well, exactly. Like that. That's all part of the analysis here. Yep. And so, and so, but I don't. You know, like Ducks fans are hearing that, and I think understandably, everyone is very excited about. Hey, the Ducks are eighty percent chance to make the playoffs. The Ducks are winning games. They're exciting. The the power play looks good, and power play sucks now, by the way, but. Now I think it's it's like a bummer to hear that this has tailed off a bit. I don't think it's a bummer because at the end of the day, this is kind of who we thought they'd be this season, right? Just this kind of team mm-hmm. that's ideally going to show you some flashes that that's going to and they've shown us a ton of flashes already, but not quite there yet either. And and they may and, and they may yet make the playoffs. Like it's not fully out of the picture. Yeah, and I there's been some conversation. It's kind of been in our Discord about what what should the Ducks do this year? Should they really like is it bad if they make the playoffs? Should they miss the playoffs and, and get a better pick? And to me at this point in time with where they're at, they're not gonna be low enough um to get a decent enough pick this draft. No matter yeah. what, they're probably gonna be in that teen range, the middle 14th. teens to high yeah. teens, probably. Fourteenth best. So to me it's like I hope they make it because I just want a fun run. They shouldn't go all out to try to do it. And I think at the end of the day, what this run has shown though as you kind of talked about right there is that what we kind of knew which is that this team doesn't necessarily have the depth to be able to make a deep playoff run this team that's not where this team is at currently and so to me what this has done is expose i mean when you're a playoff team that is going for a cup you have to be able to survive injuries like that's just how it is like guys are going to get hurt and I mean, look at Tampa last year with what they had to go through. Even throughout the season, they made the damn playoffs in a high position without having one of the best players in the world on their team. Like people forget that part of the conversation with discussing Nikita Kucherov and the fact that he came back for the playoffs. Like they were without Nikita Kucherov for all of that season. Yeah. And still got to where they were. Like that is the insane part of it. Um, but kind of getting back to my point that this Ducks team, when they do have a couple guys out, they don't have the depth or the coaching to be able to push them over the edge and still win rounds. And I think that that's the one thing for this Ducks team. And that's why hopefully this resets expectations for some people, maybe within the organization that maybe thought they should be going for it. If that was the case um, and recenters them and refocus them on kind of where this team is actually at. Yeah, exactly. And and I think again, it sucks because a lot of the reasons why they've gotten to this point are again, outside of their control, 
with the COVID absences, but the results are what they are. And I do think that now it is a little ideal if you're if you're someone who thought that the Ducks need to sell at the trade deadline, that it's not even a question of if they need to sell. I think you're probably slightly happy about this, right? Mm-hmm. Because now it's like you can't even make the case anymore that 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 there, you can't make a case for them not selling the farm at at the at the trailer not not the actual like farm system but you know all of the ufas i i just what's the case now i mean you know I, you and i have talked about well maybe lindholm maybe lindholm is the one you bring back i even that i just just doesn't make sense and and yeah well if, and we're if, even if now not, hearing it if he's not extended by now if he's not extended you know, in the next few weeks here, like he's walking. Right. So, and, and you, yeah. do you, re- do you really want him as a, as your own quote unquote rental so that you no. can scratch out a, a the final well, wild card spot? That doesn't make sense either. Yeah. And, and this was kind of even said by, it was a, uh, what was it? Friedman on the Jeff Merrick show uh, today had mentioned, or maybe it was Merrick that said this bit that basically is like, yeah, if Lindholm's not extended, he's getting dealt, Yeah, that, which was, is it how it should be. Yeah. It was Friedman that said that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is yeah. how it should be and how we've discussed it. So, um, yeah. I mean, you want to just start kind of jumping into the the speculation from today? Yeah. Well, so now that we've kind of covered the the state of the team, I think that the logical next step is to discuss who's going to be at the uh, at the driver's seat for the next. Well, you know, for the next probably few years. So it, it turns out, according to Elliot Freeman, that the Ducks are now deeper into their process. They're still definitely behind the Montreal's, the Vancouver's, but there's a list supposedly of 10 to 12 candidates and some names that maybe we didn't expect both for good and for bad that that could be prominent on this list. Well, yeah. So yeah, it's a bit of an unknown as of right now, the information that we have kind of coming from a bunch of a couple different sources, Elliot Friedman on 32 thoughts mentioned that the ducks are, um, specifically looking at Chris McFarland, who's an assistant GM for the Avalanche, and mm-hmm. they really like him. And so that's one name that was thrown out there. And then Merrick uh, on the Jeff Merrick show today mentioned that uh, uh, someone had told him they would be very surprised if the next GM of the Ducks was not Jeff Solomon or Dave Nonis. And then a little bit after that, uh, Pierre Lebrun tweeted out, and let me just read the tweet verbatim. Hearing that the Ducks began GM interviews last week with in-house candidates Jeff Solomon, Dave Nonis, and Martin Madden, external candidates to be interviewed soon. Also hearing that Anaheim has not reached out to uh, at this point uh, to Tampa AGM Matthew Darsh. Not yet, anyways. Yeah. So I think that the, the takeaway for right now, before we get into the, some of the specific guys, is that there's a lot of balls up in the air for the Ducks. I, I think that... Mm-hmm. Rightfully so, they're they're giving everyone a, a hard look, and it does seem like the in-house guys are going to have a legit shot. I mean, the Ducks declined the Canadians' request to interview Martin Madden, which tells me that they are considering him. Right? You, mm-hmm. you don't you don't decline if you're afraid of losing the guy because you're you potentially want him to be the next GM of your team. So yeah it doesn't seem like there's a front runner if you're just kind of really reading between the tea leaves. No, the the one thing that I found surprising with this is that to me, I thought it was almost going to be even more drawn out than it has been. And yeah. so this seems a little bit more accelerated than I expected because to me, this almost feels like they're trying to get a GM in place by the deadline. 
and Which is not a terrible idea. No, right? no, 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 it's it's not, but it's just funny because we kind of had thought that Solomon would get this deadline to be able to make it, but it's not a bad idea to to try to get your GM in place. And so to me that makes sense that they interviewed all three of the internal candidates because they're not going to necessarily get the runway of just having the deadline. And so to me this feels like something they want to get done by mid-February cuz what is it the trade deadline's end of March this year? Yeah. Yeah, it's later. And, and the season yeah, ends later. Yeah. Season ends later, season started later. I think it's yeah. like March 31st or something like that. So it really feels like the Ducks are trying to get their interviews in and make a decision on, on a candidate within the next month is kind of what it seems like, um, which yeah. is kind of crazy because I didn't expect a GM to be in place until maybe like, I don't know, June. Well, that was kind of what I was expecting originally. So here's my kind of 40, what is it? 40,000 feet, 35,000, mm-hmm. 30, I don't know what the proper altitude is, but I think that it makes sense, right? Like, I think it's a little weird to go into a pivotal trade yeah, deadline. Like definitely. one of them, one of the most important in recent franchise memory with an interim GM who doesn't know if he's going to be the GM next year. Like the incentives are just all over the place there. Right. Um, And so I think it makes sense to have an established leadership core and an established vision before you get to the altar, before you get to that moment of truth. Um, But they're going to have to hurry because if that's what you want, you got to then give these guys some time to actually make the deals happen. Well, and and I think that's why no matter what, I think no matter what happens with the GM, uh, Solomon and Madden and Nonis are going to still be AGMs. If not, they are not, none of them are picked to be the general managers so that there is some sort of continuity for this season. And so that they can help assist because they know the best and uh, a lot, give uh, the new GM someone to help them. And so, Um, I, I think from the internal candidates, it's not really a surprise. It was always said that those three were going to get a look at this. Dave Nonis is, I think the only candidate so far that I just don't want. Like I took a look at his, his tenure in Toronto, for instance, he, the only major deals that he made were he acquired Jonathan Bernier from the Kings for, uh, Ben Scrivens, Matt Fratton and something. I think it was a first, um, he like, yeah, he also, I know, I know. Uh, he also was the guy that signed David Clarkson to, yeah. to that massive worked, deal deal that didn't work out well. Yeah. Yeah. It didn't work out that well. And there was maybe one or two other deals that were significant in there, but they never were like deals that turned out that well. And so it's funny because he was the GM of the Maple Leafs. When you think about it, that they started unintentionally tanking and, yeah. and, and they were unintentionally bad. And then he started like started trading away guys and started kind of the tanking process. But his last draft was the one they drafted William Nylander for. So it's not like he was even there for the Mitch Marner draft or, or anything like that. So yeah. he, his track record doesn't necessarily instill confidence in me. And so he's the only one that I just as a hard, no, there's a hard yeah. no for me. And I mean, I think I feel like it's well known that Nonis is kind of a Murray guy, right? Well, and, I mean, him him and Burke are both, or him and Murray are both Burke guys. They were both in Anaheim under Brian Burke. Then Nonis went with Burke to Toronto. Murray stayed as the, the general manager here. Yeah, I, I just think it'd be a rough look to, you know, have the whole scandal with Bob Murray and then to just basically go to a guy who's pretty closely tied to him. And look, it's it's nothing against Nonis. For all we know, he did nothing wrong, but it's just the optics of it. Um, yeah. And yep. so, yep. I, I don't know. Like, I mean, I mean, if you had to make a bold prediction right now about all this. Oh, that's right. Notice did hire Carlisle in Toronto. <laughs> he 
Yeah, he's got a great so nose they, for coaches. Yeah, so I mean, I I think it makes sense that he got the interview. Um, I hope yeah. that that's kind of how far it goes. Um, I think that even if he's not necessarily being considered for the the candidacy, I think that or no, I don't think that he hired Carla. I think that was still Burke. But still, um, regardless, uh, internal candidates it makes sense. Well, let me ask you this: maybe yeah. instead of having to make this big bold prediction, I'll, I'll go slightly less bold. Do you, if you had to bet on it right now, do you think it's going to be an internal candidate or the field that's going to get the job? Ooh, I'm just, you know what? Even though there's been some reports that think it's going to be internal, I'm going to go with the field. You're playing the field? I'm playing the field. I like it. Because you're going to go internal. uh, I don't know. I, I am a, I I guess I'm a betting man now, but, um, I, I get this feeling it's going to be the field as well. I get this weird gut like, feeling. Yeah. The the funny thing is the the Friedman report on 32 thoughts, right? The, the, the specifically the, the, bringing up the, the the McFarland name, right? Yeah. I mean and, that, and so for those that don't know because to be quite honest, I didn't know a whole lot about Chris McFarland. I think it was a couple weeks ago on 32 thoughts. They had mentioned that some of the teams are sniffing around uh prominent AGMs whether it be Matthew Darsh Chris McFarland, Eric Tulski, these are guys that they that you should keep an eye on. And so my ears perk up when I hear Tulski. And so Chris McFarland's kind of in that same boat, not necessarily known as being as analytic sav- analytically savvy as uh, an Eric Tulski, but Chris McFarland was brought into Colorado and did some very brief research on him today. And back when uh, Sackett came in and Patrick Waugh came in, the reason why Patrick Waugh ended up leaving was him and Chris McFarland didn't necessarily see eye to eye in the way they viewed the game and sack excited with McFarland. And that's what led Patrick Wada leaving the avalanche. And as it turns out, that vision seemed out, seemed to be pretty well or it's pretty correct. Out, right? Yeah. Out, and, right? And, and so while, yes, there were some critics of the way sack handled Duchesne at the beginning, that deal turned out amazing for them. And you look at every deal that the, the avalanche have made and it's been fantastic. And I mean, Joe Sackick is the first time GM hadn't necessarily been that involved and so he's probably heavily leaning on his AGM that has been involved. I mean, he was with the the Columbus Blue Jackets starting in 1999 to 2000. And it worked his way up through the uh, Blue Jackets organization before eventually uh, joining the Avalanche in 2015. And so he really is a guy that, I mean, maybe this is extrapolating a bit too much, but really feels like in some ways an architect of the Avalanche team and had probably a big say from the way that he's been profiled by a lot of people. And so to me, he's a very interesting name. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. And so for his name to kind of come out of the blue um, and then also for like, you know, P- Pierre Lebrun saying not yet anyway on Matthew Darsh, I think that that's interesting, right? Because these are two guys, a, a Darsh and a McFarland who are from, two very successful organizations and mm-hmm. McFarland, you know, seemingly instrumental in where the uh, avalanche are today. And then with Darsh, maybe not quite to that degree, but has just kind of been under the tu- the tutelage of a Julian Brisebois. And I think that that makes sense when you're trying to build a winning organization, you take pieces from the ones that are already there yeah. and, and you, and you make it work. So, well, you know, and- I think that Solomon and like Madden, for example, are, are fine candidates. And if the Ducks hired either of them, I've come around a little bit on, on Madden. Um, and I don't think that they would be bad hires, but it, it makes sense to 
to really do as much digging as you can outside before you make that choice. Yeah, and the one thing I also really like on McFarland is, and the fact that he's a guy that they're really interested in, mm-hmm. he's not a, a hockey guy. Like, yes, he's been involved in an organization since uh, 1999, 2000s. season. Yeah, <laughs> since the like the late 90s. But he's a lawyer by trade. Like, uh-huh. he went to law school. Like, it's not as if he was an old hockey man that got into the game because of guys that he played with. This is a guy that worked his way up, I think, kind of similar to Jeff Solomon, right? Who got involved as being an agent and eventually joined the Kings um, to get onto the other side of it. And so I think having these kind of different viewpoints on the game is really important. And I think right. that that's what I find most fascinating. And I, I'm really curious to see the other names that are identified. I mean, if McFarland's in there, I would maybe Tulski is also. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe that's a reach. Who knows? But I, I think that they're at least identifying good candidates, which is what we can assume based upon this. Right. I, I mean, the Tolsky thing, it's like a, it's a name everyone's throwing out there, but yeah, we, we have nothing. We have no that, idea that, that, that that's actually. Well, and, and I mean, it very well could be one of the other candidates, uh, could be, uh, Mark Bergevan. One of the other candidates could be, um, why am I spacing on his name so hard? The Oilers, Jim, uh, Jim Benning. Oh, <laughs> Oilers old GM. Um, oh, who's uh, now Torelli? with St. Louis. Yeah. Pete Torelli. Yeah. And so, I mean, there could be other names there that are getting interviewed that we don't necessarily know. And it could, uh, it, it could, uh, tarnish the mm-hmm. way we're feeling about the, the GM search. But I think as of right now with the information in front of us, I feel good about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it seems like they're, they're looking at names that make sense. It, I mean, it, I don't know. I I have a good feeling that whoever they end up hiring is going to be a solid choice. Yeah. And I agreed. and I think and I think that that's comforting if you're the if you're a Ducks fan and I also think that I would imagine that the in-house guys are staying, right? If if it doesn't I, if they don't get hired. I would think that for sure Solomon would. Well, cuz he's I mean he's probably I don't know how long his contract is, but he just got here. So He just got here and I don't think it almost feels like he, our thought that he was kind of going to take over the reins in summer. That doesn't necessarily feel like it would be the case because if that was the plan and Murray was going to take a step back, they would have just named him the GM, right? At the yeah. once Murray resigned. Yeah. Um, and so that doesn't necessarily seem like it's the case. So I don't think he signed on in Anaheim to necessarily take an elevated role. So it's not as if his role in the organization is going to be any different than what he signed up for um, uh, six, seven months ago. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's going to be exactly what he was doing. Yeah. I mean, if, if you walk out of this with a tandem of, you know, fill in the blank GM, that's not an in-house guy. So a McFarland, a, a Darsh, whoever, and then you're they're still surrounded by Madden Solomon. I think that's a good team. That that's you're kind of checking all the boxes there of a competent mm-hmm. management group. Agreed. Who's who's not who's gonna be a, a big departure from what we've seen uh in recent years. Yep, definitely. And I think in some ways bringing someone from outside of organization is a good idea. And I think that might be playing a part somewhat. Yeah, and especially so, especially because I think as much as the ducks have viable in-house candidates because they've only gone in-house for all these years it makes sense to push on that on that outside candidate for as long as you can until you make that decision yep so all right right. so i think it's time for a word from our sponsor felix Mm -hmm. so name a better duo than mcdavid and drysidle this season i've got one manscaped and grooming that's right 
Our sponsors at Manscaped, the global leaders in below-the-waist grooming, have all the best tools to clean up your hockey stick this year. Step aside, Gretzky. Manscaped's Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer may go down as the GOAT. Gift the GOAT to yourself or someone who needs it and join the 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with our exclusive offer. Go to manscaped.com and use code CTP for 20% off plus free shipping. It's time to skate on the first line with the global leaders in uh, below-the-waist grooming, Felix. This season, take your package to the next level with their Performance Package 4.0 and brand-new ultra-premium body wash. I mean, Felix, what do you think about the Performance Package 4.0? Yeah, I mean, inside that Performance Package, you'll find the signature Lawnmower 4.0. Love it. I mean, it's designed to trim hair on loose skin. You know, we've all got some loose skin certain regions and thanks to the advanced skin safe technology you won't get cut you won't get nicked on your lumber it also comes equipped with a 4000k led spotlight that will shine a light to the promised land 2022 looks to be it's been it's been tested to snipe pubes top shelf highly recommend it i use it it's an integral part of my grooming routine and uh does the job it's as advertised yeah and a grooming routine isn't complete without the applying crop preserver and crop reviver right before showing off your 2022 self these unique formulations take care of the smelliest part of your body and are a big boost uh to your confidence in the playoff push this right here is the icing (laughs) got it get it get it on the cake and to complete the set, Manscaped threw in their shed tri- travel bag and anti-chafing boxer briefs as free gifts to keep all your goodies stored comfortably. Think of it like a barn for your all your goodies. And uh, and the new product that needs no introduction is the ultra premium body wash from Manscaped that solves all three or solves all three for the perfect addition to your daily grooming routine. But in the shower, and I shower every day. I, I hope you all know that, and I hope that you all do too. Because come on. You should shower every day. And this body wash smells great too. It's cologne infused with aloe vera and sea salt to keep your skin feeling clean, nice and moisturized. It smells really, really nice. So it's also time to slap shot discomfort and poor hygiene in the past by using the best tools for the job. So join the Stanley Cup favorites Manscaped by going to manscaped.com for our exclusive offer of 20% off plus free shipping with the code CTP. After using Manscaped, my hockey pucks have never felt better so you can get 20 percent off and free shipping with the code ctp at manscaped.com that's 20 percent off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code ctp sharpen your stick and grooming routine with the best in male grooming at manscaped there you go folks okay we, we should really reach out to them and have it change from mcdavid and drysaddle to uh zegris and milano come on <laughs> yeah right um no, no love for uh, for Lindholm Drysdale, maybe. Wow, <laughs> um, you're just baiting people. Do Do we want to talk All Star really quickly? Do we want to talk sure. Terry Terry Snub? Sure. Ter- Troy Terry should have been an All Star outright. No, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. And as you say this, actually, I'm just going to do this. Is it too late? I don't think it's too late. I'm going to put in my last uh, last man in vote ballot because I have not done it today. And so on air, I'm gonna do this as we go. You know what? Let's just pick pick the guys. You know what? Okay. I'm gonna let I'm gonna let you pick for me. So how do me, how do I do this? Let me let me pull it. You up. go to NHL.com/slash All Star Ballot. 
pretty sad that I don't know this, but goes to show how much. Wow. I care, so, I guess. so you're telling me you haven't voted for Troy Terry? 25 minutes left is what it is. 25 what? minutes left. Is it? So, is it slash All Star ballot? Are you sure? It's all sport. dash star dash ballot. Oh, okay. And that's where you messed up. Um, sorry. I mean, I'd I'd happily vote for Troy Terry because he actually deserves it. It's a travesty. Yeah. He's not an okay Atlantic Division. So we we pick one of each. Is that it? One of one of each. One of each. Okay, so Atlantic Division. Charlie McAvoy. You're not picking Tyler Travoli. <laughs> Wait, he's in here. He has five. Keep, goals. Just, just. All right, I'll let you. I'll let you run through it. You can go. <laughs> go. Tifoli. Go through the entire division. You put Tyler Tifoli. Oh my god. There's one player from every team. I mean, it's Stamkos, right? No. It's either Stamkos or Raymond. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I want. Stamkos see- has 46 points, though. Yeah, it's. I, I'm. I'm clicking on Stamkos. Like it's this isn't this isn't hard. Um, All right, Metro in the Metro. Svechnikov, Voracek, Brat, Barzal, Zibanejad, Atkinson, Getzel, and Kuznetsov. So there's some interesting candidates in here. Um, I kind of like the Gensel pick just because I I mean the he's been key for Pittsburgh this season. Um, I don't know. I, where are you leaning here? I voted a bunch for Zibanejad, but this time, you know what? I'm going to go chaos and just go Gensel and throw my 10 votes at Gensel. <laughs> I mean, I think Zibanejad, just from an entertaining, entertainment perspective, I feel like he would be more fun Ooh, in an all-star game. Good call. Changing my vote. You you convinced me. I mean, that's why, like, out of all the guys in the, uh, the Atlantic, right? I mean, maybe Raymond is your guy, entertainment, but I think I think Stammer is still a fun guy to watch. Um, wow. So nickname basis for you, Stammer. Stammer. Hey, I mean, when you've been in the NHL since 08 and you've won multiple Stanley Cups and you've scored 60 plus goals in a season, I'm you get a nickname. It's okay. We say OV, right? Um, okay, the Central Division. Uh, <laughs> so Mark Shifley, who has not does not have a ton of points. I don't know how much he's actually played this year. Um, Robert Thomas. Roman Yossi, who has 39 points as a defenseman, which is kind of gross. Um, Ryan Hartman, who I don't think I'll be voting for, just as a spoiler. Jason Robertson, Nazem Kadri, who has 49 freaking points. Seth Jones and Phil Kessel. So on principle, I don't really want to vote for Nazem Kadri, but the man has 49 points. I mean, I feel like yeah, it he, w- he, ha- he has the second most points in the league. I, I feel like it would be a bit of a travesty if he was not in there, just on merit. Right? Yep, exactly. Okay. Now let's do the Pacific. This might be the hardest one. Uh, Troy Terry, <laughs> Matthew Kachuk, Darnell Nurse, Drew Doughty, Logan Couture, Mark Giordano, JT Miller, Jonathan Marceau. I mean... Uh, wait, wait. By the way, PC Maine with a good point. Mm-hmm. Should we just vote for Phil Kessel, though? For the hot dog man? Just to, just get Phil Kessel to the All-Star That's game? That's true. That's true. I think we need hot dog man. Okay. Um, okay. I changed in, my vote to Kessel. In the Pacific... Troy Terry does not have the most points, but he has the most goals by a healthy margin. 22 goals. Next closest after him is Marcia, so with 18. And then after that, next closest is Kachuk by 16. So Terry is leading that race. Um, and I, I just want to see that story rewarded, right? I mean, this is a guy who's had an, a true breakout year. We've been going to bat for him for years. There's just even from an objective standpoint, I think he's the best player of all these guys right now, like this season. So 100%. And I just submitted my 10. I just submitted my 10 votes. So there are my 10 votes for Troy Terry. 
I hope you all go do it too, because the just so you know, voting ends in 20 minutes. Oh, do I have to create an account? That's you probably already have an account. I so Felix one. just did all this. He's not actually going to submit his account or submit his votes. He just wanted like to I'm, do that. I feel like I'm wasting a vote on Phil Kessel. Okay, I've made a vote. There you go. You can, oh, can I, you can, can I click vote, vote again. again. Okay. Yeah, ten times. Okay, I'm I'm just gonna click through uh, until I get to ten. Lewis still hasn't gotten past the your hockey pucks and sharpen your stick line from from the ad read. <laughs> it's a good one. It's a good one. It's our it's our best ad read. Yeah, I would say for Manscaped. We came up with it all, by the way. Um, <laughs> not a not a lie whatsoever. Um, okay, so I mean, yes, in terms of the All Star, though, a little bit disappointing to. I mean, I don't know what's this going to be the status for Trevor Zegers. Well, here's supposedly, yeah, supposedly he's going to go to the skills competition. Here's my frustrating part about the all-star game is it felt like, I I think the frustrating part is that they kind of shoehorn in goalies. And then it's almost like once you have your one guy there, that that's your guy. And so then they, that there's no other like leeway for it. And so while yes, Gibson's been okay this year, he's not been an all-star level level goalie. And it's like Jonathan quicks actually been better and the frustrating thing in some ways is Jonathan Quick deserves to be there probably more than Adrian Kempe does. Yeah. And I don't like, really understand the picks in the Pacific. I haven't done this whole deal with, with every division, but John Gibson's been good. I mean, I think his his numbers have improved as of late, uh, but Jonathan Quick's been better. And so the yeah. fact that Quick isn't there for LA and that Kempe is um, very bizarre, very hard to understand. So the whole thing is kind of a fraud, it seems, but that's okay. Like it's the all-star. Well, here's game. here's the frustrating thing, right? Let's say they did quick and they put Terry in instead of Kempe. Mm-hmm. Then the last man in vote is Trevor Zegris. Yeah, and he's getting in. Yeah, like that's in. I think the frustrating thing is that it's like if you would have just put in Troy Terry, every single team has to have a last man in. Uh huh. Tyler Tavoli was the last man in to be voted for by Montreal, like. Trevor Zegers, like, who would you pick over Trevor Zegers to be the last man in for the Ducks? Um, if Troy me, Terry's in, let me let me get back to you on that in in about fifteen seconds. Uh, okay. When I, when I pull up the stats of this team, because I feel like, okay, let's see. Yeah, I mean it's Zegers or Milano, right? Uh, hardcore Luchadu actually is is uh, calling us out slightly because uh, Quick got lit up today by Timo Meyer, but one game. I mean, doesn't, yeah, well, doesn't one, expose the season. One game. I mean Zegers. Milano gets laugh, I think would all be fine picks, but for, for entertainment purposes, it's Zegris. Yeah. So 100%. Like Terry's the most deserving one. I think Zegris would be the most exciting one. Troy Terry is the ducks best player this season. Yep. That's and there it. was actually a wonderful podcast put out today by Dmitry Filipovich. Yes. Speaking of Troy Terry, uh, the PDO cast where he had uh, Daryl Belfry on and they go into a lot of topics. Actually, one thing I do want to briefly mention, cause this, popped up uh i think in conversations between me and cj last week it's one thing that we don't talk about enough which is the fact that point shots are dumb yeah and and they brought this up and daryl belfry for those that don't know is a skills consultant who works with the maple leafs um and a lot of individual players he's basically the guru of skills coaching in the nhl like he's one of the he's one of the originators of actual skills coaching and his clientele base is all the top guys yeah And so one of the things that he brought up that they're really starting to find out is that the quality of chance that it's a puck retrieval game, basically in the NHL, it's all about getting the puck back after you shoot it to be able to create more quality chances. 
And what they're finding out is the lower quality, the chances, the less likely the puck is to be retrieved. And so the higher quality of chance you have, the more likely the puck is going to be retrieved because guys are constantly in motion where you're creating these high, high quality looks. Whereas when you get a point shot, if you notice a lot of times when guys take point shots, everyone's stagnant. So yeah. if you're stagnant from an offensive perspective and not moving, the likelihood of you retrieving that puck is low because you're not moving. Whereas mm-hmm. when guys are moving and circling into the slot and you miss a shot, other guys are going to be moving also. And so it's just one thing that it stuck out to me. I forgot which game it specifically was. I think it was Minnesota where Kevin Chattenkirk went and wound up for the slap shot. And I had specifically just said this in discord. I think that basically it's now been kind of statistically proven in some ways that the likelihood of a goal going in for you off a point shot is lower than a goal going in against. I don't um, know if it's lower, but it's, it's like disturbingly close. That, like, yeah, that, because that essentially and come back the other way because that exactly that exact thing happened. And I mean, the reason why is a point shots are most likely going to be a turnover. A turnover against can lead to a transition against where you're just taking a point shot. Even if it gets through, it's relatively low quality chance. If it gets blocked and is a turnover and goes the other way, it's most likely resulting in a high quality chance. I mean, I, I kind of liken point shots in a way in hockey to like field goals in football where it's like a team would rather feel like it's doing something than actually going for it. And yeah, when you get a point shot, you know, it's like, okay, maybe it'll hit a pad in front or it'll, it'll miss or whatever, but Hey, at least you're getting shots to the net. Right. Uh, where in reality, if you want to score and be an elite team, that can't be your bread and butter. You're going to have to work it off the wall, um, along the half wall and get it into the slot ultimately. And so, and same thing like with field goals, it's like, oh, congrats, you got the three points and you end up losing at the end of the game. So, uh, yeah, that is very interesting. And I think that the point that Daryl made on Terry was also yep. interesting. Getting because, back to that part. Yeah, because the thing with, with Troy Terry that, that we've noted this season, the big difference in his game from previous years is that he's so, I hate to use this word because we make fun of it all the time, but he's so confident with the puck. He's a, He's attacking guys. He's intentionally going to that middle of the ice and taking guys on one-on-one. And what Daryl said was interesting because he mentioned how, for example, a guy like Connor McDavid, when they are taking on a guy one-on-one, they keep that puck to the middle of the body that it's, it's in front of them and using the quick handle to kind of freeze the defender. Whereas with Troy Terry, he keeps the puck on his forehand side, kind of to the side of his body in that loaded position. And this is something that other skill coaches have brought up where if the puck is is on your forehand, you you can really sell that shot, and the defense the defender has to respect it. The thing with Terry though is that not only does he do that, but when he's getting it into the defender's legs or under their stick, he's also leaning his body into them and kind of creating that space for himself. So very interesting. I mean, people should go check out this podcast because it, it's the kind of stuff that doesn't really get talked about with the sport. Yeah, I, I feel like. We all talk about, you know, shot attempts and scoring chances. And if you go to the traditional outlets, you hear about grit and uh, I don't know what, what else you're talking Heart, about. These, what, yeah, whatever, whatever they're yeah, face offs. <laughs> um, but to hear a guy like Belfry talk about the actual, like, how do you get these things done? How do you coach that into a yeah, player? Like, I think is a, is a lot more compelling to me. The stats that we look at are more so outputs from equations, whereas they're, they're what he talks about are the right. inputs. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas what he talks about are the inputs into those equations that that really cause uh yeah cause these positive impacts and and so it it was fascinating and definitely worth checking out. I was going to mention another thing that he brought up 
is that he mentioned that once you get to the NHL, if you haven't developed that skill of taking guys on one-on-one and challenging them in that way, as Terry has this season, NHL defenders are just so good with their sticks and with their feet that it's, it's almost impossible to, to really become elite in that facet of the game. If you weren't that getting, you know, beforehand and Terry wasn't really that, I mean, was a good player in college, make no mistake, but wasn't really this kind of one-on-one dynamo like he is this season. And so, I mean, the fact that he's accomplished it and, and it almost like a relatively short amount of time is just damn impressive. And it just, again, goes to show that if there was a most improved award in the NHL, most improved player award, that Troy Terry would be the slam dunk favorite in my eyes. Yep. I agree with that. All right. So want to get into some questions or anything else? Nope. I'm good question time all right so we're gonna we're gonna start with discord so our crash spawn discord for our patron uh we got a couple questions in there our good friend litter galboni asks per uh crash spawn twitter aka uh this was cj should the league be petrified that gibson is back in the cage uh gibson's been playing better as of late and i and mm-hmm. i think that 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 deserves to be noted because on this podcast we have been maybe a little more critical of him rightfully so but mm-hmm. should note when he has played well um the Ducks are going to need it. I, I think that Lucas Dostal has been good. Uh, Anthony Stolarz has pretty much, I think, been like exactly up and down in his performances. So, yeah, get, getting Gibson back is important. Yep. Uh, and Littercal also asked, will the Ducks ever score again? Th- <laughs> this is going to be – I'm going to go out on a, on a limb here. Yes. They, yeah. they will score a goal. I mean, is Bold Terry going to be eligible for the next game? I mean, assuming that he can – test out of the protocol uh when did he test positive i think he didn't he test positive right before minnesota i think it was thursday thursday so, so one two three four may maybe for colorado but probably tampa well because they want him to have a skate right so yeah well it depends on if because what would be one two three four tomorrow could be five but I'm not positive on, on the exact exact date of it. So potentially Colorado, most likely Tampa for a Terry return. Yeah, I mean, Gibson skated today, so that's at least encouraging. Yep, and Cizo said the, the next two weeks look like they could be rough for the Ducks, even at full strength. What is your guess on the record they come out with? So Ooh. the next two weeks, here are the games the Ducks have. So on Wednesday, they play Colorado. Friday, Tampa. Then next week, they travel to Boston to Toronto, to Montreal, to Ottawa. Uh, I'll, I'll give them the win in Montreal. Okay. I'll give, I'll give them that. Um, although it is tail end of back-to-backs, so yep. that might be challenging on the road. But I'll give them that because the Canadians are, are absolute I'll, garbage. I'll um, give them the win against uh, Ottawa. Yeah, you think they get one of those two. Um, but Toronto's going to be a challenge. Boston's going to be a challenge. Return of Corey Perry to Honda Center. Yeah, is not also absolutely amazing article in the athletic by uh, Joe Smith. Go Mm -hmm. read it about like Corey Perry and kind of in-depth look on him in his life. Hmm. Really, really fascinating stuff. Well, he's an interesting guy. Um, Do the So video tribute, right? 100 percent. That's and he even said that the article even said this. They're like, he is not good with emotions. He gave the best man speech at his brother's wedding and got two words out and then started bawling. (laughs) <laughs> and so he's like, yeah, I'm going to be crying on the bench. I kind of love that though. Right. Isn't yeah. it so endearing for a guy? It 100% that, is. That is such a wild animal on the ice. And yet, you know, you, you take him out of that environment and he's kind of sheepish. Yeah. 
So. Actually, real quick, I'm gonna put you on a put you on the hot seat. Does Corey Perry sign in Anaheim to end his career in Anaheim? He mentioned that he wants to play until they tell him he can't play anymore. But the question is, first off, like, what does he want for his last few years? Like, is he still going to be a guy? He's who's... on a two-year deal, so it would not be this summer, but it would be the summer after. Yeah, but, like, is he going to still want to chase Stanley Cups? I mean, maybe the Ducks are that team in a couple Ex- years. Boom. Ding, ding, ding. And you have a Getzloff pair reunion on the fourth line. Yeah, and you also no longer have Bob Murray, which I think is, is pretty big. Um, yeah. Corey Perry's been good this season. I'm looking at the numbers right so, now. So, Corey Perry return? I'm going yes. Emphatically Kay. yes. Yeah. Make Same. it happen. Make it happen. Uh, McFarland slash Darsh slash Solomon slash Madden slash Nonus. Slash Tulski. You like how I worked in Nonus? Yeah. Thanks. Thanks. <laughs> uh, so, I'm going to say they get – I'm going to – you know what? I'm going to be bold. I'm going to say they pick one win off of Colorado, Tampa, Boston, Toronto, and they go three and three. Okay. Uh, I will I will defer to you here. Okay. Uh, sounds good. All right, here we go. Uh, Casey said, if Sonny Milano is out long-term, do the Ducks have anyone that can step into his role in that time? And how do you think that would, af- uh, that would affect the contract negotiation and potential arbitration this summer? So one thing that we should mention that we haven't really talked about too much is Sonny Milano got injured against the Wild, left the game, initially looked like he just, he well, not, Look, he did catch an elbow to the face. Initially, looked like he may have just lost a tooth and was going for repairs. Never returned. So, obviously, hopefully not a concussion issue um, with the, yeah. the issues that he had last year. That's where my brain first went. Could be a jaw issue also. So, really no updates on terms of actually yeah, what it is. Contact to the head. Contact like, to the jaw specifically. Yeah, but, I mean, your your brain is close by. No, I know. That uh, can impact it. Yeah. Um, my answer is no. They do yeah. not have. They do not have a. a Adam Hen- Adam Henrique maybe would be the closest thing that they have, but he. I don't think necessarily- Adam Henrique is as good as Sonny. Malone. No, I don't think so either. I think that's the closest that they have, though. But the thing is, if he's back, like the, he's not really replacing him because Henrique should already be there. So you're kind of like still at a net loss, right? Yeah, that's fair. So, fair. So the answer is no. I, and do you think that the, that him getting hurt affects his contract negotiation and po- potential arbitration in summer? Yeah, I mean, for arbitration purposes, you need points, right? Well, yeah, and, and games play and a games yeah. played history after missing a season, basically. But I think he's already made a pretty good case for himself this summer. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, this could hurt if he's out a while. Like, yeah, no, I mean, there's no question because yeah. the thing is, the knock on him is health, right? Mm-hmm. And so if he, and the thing that sucks is that he's gonna if he misses time, it clearly a situation that's outside of his control um, with the injury. Uh, but I mean, those arbitration hearings are ruthless, yeah. so it will be used against him. Yep. Hey, OG flow said, will the ducks stand Pat? Serious question. No, the ducks, yeah, the, will, the, the ducks will trade these free agents. They're, they're for sure. 100% in my opinion, trading Raquel and Manson. Yeah. And I think that, you know, like the Lindholm thing, we'll see where that goes, but I think that two of the three are gone. And no I th- well, and I also think one player that we haven't really talked about as being a, a free agent this summer is Nick Delorier. Yeah, I mean, I, like I mean, what, what 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 is the what is the upside in keeping him down the stretch besides yep. besides keeping Dallas Aikens happy? Yep, like just move him, move him for a fourth round pick, get back what you traded for him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and I mean another free agent. Not that they'll trade him, but you know where I'm going with this. 
Oh, yeah, Ryan Getzloff. Ryan Getzloff. Yeah, Ryan Getzloff I don't think is getting is that moved. chatter – are we going to have to deal with that chatter? Are we going to have to deal with Shane O'Brien, like, tweeting for Ryan Getzloff again? Yeah. Do you, like, you agree with me that at this point in time, just let him finish his career here. Uh, Yeah, I mean, I agree with that, but it seems like everyone else wants to see him traded somewhere. Like, And, and by everyone else, I mean, like, Canadian media, basically. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I, my – okay – this is now a conspiracy theory, but I have this theory that I think gets laugh. I'm sure that Bob Murray's been mostly good to him, but I feel like the way things got handled last summer was maybe somewhat a reflection of how he felt about Bob Murray. That's all I'll say. Yeah. I think it's fair. Like all he right. didn't make it easy on the ducks to come back. No. I don't think CZO said, where do you feel the ducks could improve on a marketing standpoint? Ooh, well, yeah. I mean, this is an easy one, right? Rebrand. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Logo. That's yeah. part of marketing, right? Yeah, fair, fair. So yeah, it's it's got to be the jerseys. I think. I that, mean, I mean, if I were to ask you right now, if you took a poll of the Ducks fan base, what do you think the percentage would be? And and be unbiased here. What do you think the percentage would be of fans who want to see the Mighty Duck logo return in some form or fashion? Seventy-five percent. 75 wow that is high i, I think I, because you i think that 25 i to me 25 percent is high uh of no i think i'm under yeah. i i think i'm i'm in some ways well, my, my, my question is kind of soft too like like, like i i think i think it might be higher than 75 percent. i think that there are 25 percent of people still in the fan base that don't like the disney aspect of it and so want to stay away from that. The kiddish, it's more so the 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 yeah. older generation of hockey fans that are Ducks fans. I think that there are so many millennials that are now paying customers of this team yeah. that the that they make up the majority of the the fan base. And to me, that's probably seventy five percent. So let me ask you another question then. What do you think the percentage is that wants full on eggplant and jade back? with you know like full original back. oh wait sorry what was your question i thought that's what you asked no my question was just the mighty duck logo in some form or fashion being like oh, prominent that actually i'm pro i would that say might 90. Be 90 yeah, yeah 90 eggplant yeah. and jade 75 percent. that's still really high because i think there's probably fans that like the orange right 25 percent is a decent amount of like the fan one base out of still. four one out of four yeah okay I mean that's that's not a great commentary though on like their regular uniforms and color palette. I mean, how many people do you think want to get rid of the current home and away set? I think the majority. Ninety, like like more than half. Ninety percent. <laughs> cop cop out answer. I mean, you're you're going bold on these, and I'll defer to you. But I think the I think the majority of fans want to see the current jerseys upgraded. It, yeah, I mean, in, in my in my ideal world, what I would do is eggplant and jade back to the primary, and I've said this much. Orange third because I do like having the orange, like uh, it's fun. Orange, Orange County jersey, whatever, and you can do an orange jersey as your third jersey, and it's kind of the ode to Orange County jersey. Yeah, and so like to me, I'm good with that, and I think that it keeps because I mean, here's the thing: I, I there was a while there where I was happy not being eggplant jade because I like the orange yeah. ode, ode to uh, yeah, but. The more I think about it, the more I look at it, the more it just kind of sits on me. It's like there's no other team in the NHL that has an eggplant in, in, in mean, the NHL or just in sports. Any professional league 
like uh, I, major league. Yeah, and it's like there's no team with that exact color palette, and that makes it so unique. Yeah, and there are so many orange teams throughout the world. Yeah, and like it's like, like when the Ducks played the Flyers the other week, I just hate that that matchup aesthetically. Just two orange teams, it's not fun. Yeah, like I mean, I even think about like the Premier League or any team like that, and I can't think of any team with a color scheme. I mean, you can maybe say like West Ham is kind of close. Or Aston Villa is kind of close, but it's still not the same as Eggplant and Jade. It's still pretty different from that. And so there's just no, to me, it, it, it's just so unique that you have to do it. And so that's why I've settled on that should be the home and away. And then you do orange as a third. I'm fine with that. Makes yeah. sense. Yep. Makes sense. Uh, I, I, one last question on that. Okay. If they brought back those jerseys, would you want to, the, the original jerseys, would you want to see them exactly as they were? Yes. Or with maybe some modern touches. Nope. Just exactly as, as they were. I, I kind of want to see a little slight, just, no. you know, refresh. D- don't mess with perfection. I don't, I don't like pure retro. Don't, I, don't I, mess I, with perfection. Well, I think that you, you can make some little tweaks. How? What? What? I think that the, the bottom stripe, the, the diagonal stripe is almost too like prominent on those jerseys. Like, you know, maybe minimize those just a little bit. But it's about that angle. So you want it to be a flat stripe as compared to No, I don't to want it to be diagonal. flat. I just don't want it to be like coming up to like the rib, basically. Like just just like scale it down a little bit. Yeah. Anyway. I mean, here's the thing. I, I think that, and I think also with the modern day player, I think the modern day player loves the Mighty Ducks logo. Yes. I mean, I mean Trevor Zegras even says the orange Mighty Ducks logo is the one their best jersey, and he would love to go back well, to the Colton Eggplant Jays. said it yeah. last summer. As oh. did, I mean, I think Zegras has said it, that he would want to go back to the Mighty Ducks logo full time. Well, Colton Jones have said it on, like, a team, uh, like, interview. Did like, they like, ask like, her, like, am I going to get in trouble for this? <laughs> yeah, they did. I think Colton did, and I think Jones as well. Um yeah, I think the players and like, look, it's like the the players are younger too, right? They're they're yeah. younger demographic. Um, I mean, I couldn't understand maybe for like a Getzlaff who won a Stanley Cup with the orange, right? Yeah, well, actually, was drafted in the Mighty well, Ducks jersey. Well, I was but... gonna say wasn't really orange though the year they won it. I mean, you had the orange stripe. Yeah, but not exactly what they had. To oh, say, but... it was Trevor Zegers that kept asking if he could say that. That's what it was. Well, and also, I mean, Getzlaff had all those great playoff runs in the orange jerseys, so I could see there being some more attachment to that. Um, but I, I kind of like, I, I kind of honestly like, if you think about it, just from the the franchise perspective, you can kind of keep the orange and black as the Getzlaff era, and it's like this yeah. more kind of hard, gritty type of game that they played, and then it's like the Eggplant and Jade is the Korea Solani era, and now going to be the Trevor Zegers era that's more flashy. More more high pace, high octane type hockey. You're, you're not a fan of combining the two? Get orange on the eggplant and jade jersey. Oh, Have God. you seen those mock-ups? I, yeah, I hate it. They I remind me it. of the like Miami Vice jerseys. Kinda. I hate it. Oh, I love the Miami Vice jerseys. Honestly, I hate the. I don't like orange with the the eggplant and jade. I don't yeah, think it's, it works. it's it's just a little too out there. I, I don't think it works. I I, and yeah. I don't like black with eggplant and jade either. I, I don't think that works. I think you either go. Yeah, all out. I, we're aware. Your yeah. disdain for the 25th anniversary jersey is well documented. Do not like. Do not like. It's a Sharks okay. jersey. <laughs> uh, Ryan underscore said, Are Zegers Milano the new Getzloff Perry? Will we struggle to find a winger that works super well with them, or is that just Troy Terry? I mean, I think Zegers and Terry are more of the Getzloff Perry ilk because they're both drafted by the team. Whereas Milano... True. 
I mean, I guess if you want to say, I think just from the perspective of people be, on the team, well, also being line mates. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, we had an interesting debate about the fact that Zegers's numbers drop off more than Milano's when they're away from each other. Yep, um, that's an open question for now. But yeah, I mean, like that's that's kind of their role on this team is the the dynamic duo. Although yeah, and they it, got they got split up recently. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I put Terry Milano and Zegers together. Just I just it. think that Contois got like what three points in four games or something at one point. And so Aiken stuck with that Contois Zegers Raquel line. Um anyway, they they want that to be a thing, clearly. Yeah, they want Contois to work with Zegers when it, it's kind of funny. It's just like you have the answer right in front of you. Why are you trying to make this like fit this square peg in this round hole? You have complementary players elsewhere. Like it, it's so obvious. It's it's funny to me, right? Well, I think part of it is that, okay, you know that you have that in your back pocket. Can That's you, fair. That's fair. Can you get some, can you get, can you tap into some new fair point. oil well and maybe, and maybe find a source there? Um, but yeah, I mean, like you need these points though. If you want to make the playoffs, you don't have a lot of time to experiment. Yep. All right. So here we go. We're going to get to Twitch now. So for those of you on YouTube, yes, we're on YouTube. Go to youtube.com slash crash spawn. Like, subscribe to the videos. You can get in the comments, everything like that. Or if you're on your favorite podcast services, please check out our Twitch, twitch.tv slash crash spawn, where you can help support the show in a way that's completely free to you if you have Amazon Prime. If you have Amazon Prime, you get one free Twitch Prime gaming sub each and every month that you can use to help support the show. And with that, you get special badges in the chat, special em- or special badges next to your name, special emotes in the chat. And you help support the show and keep it going. And so you can be just like uh, PC Main who subbed and Lewis X209 who resubbed. Want to take a gander, Felix. How many months do you think uh, Lewis has supported us on here? Oh, my God. Like 34? Higher. 39? Higher. 44? 40. Wow. Hey, he's he's Vinny Letary's number from last year. Letary wore 40? Yes. Really? Yeah, you don't remember that? The disrespect to Jared Bull. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to leave that one alone. (laughs) All right, so let's get to questions. Shadow Ops Gaming 13 said, question, should the Ducks trade for Jake DeBrus? Also, if Jones comes back this season, what would, uh, or should they do Jones, Zegris, Milano together? Uh, no, no and no. I mean, I think the DeBrusque thing is kind of like more of a shot in the dark. You don't really like, I think DeBrusque, there's red, there's red flags. There's also green flags. Like he's just kind of a mixed bag. And I don't really know if it's worth, like if the juice is worth the squeeze with him. Um, I don't know what it would take to get him. He hasn't been traded yet. So clearly Boston wants something of significance. And then with Jones, I mean, he's a fourth liner, right? Like maybe a premium third liner. Yeah, if that's that, kind of where I think he settles in at. Um, I don't think he helps a, a Zegras and Milano line. Like you yep. need a guy who can actually play offense. Yeah. Who, hey, who, who can do something said, with the puck. Hey, Odiflo asks, who will win next weekend at GCW's biggest pay-per-view to date? Joey Janela or Matt Cardona? Matt Cardona's taking it. I mean, he's the internet champ. He's always ready. He's going to take it. Uh-huh. Felix, we should watch this GCW uh, pay-per-view at the Hammerstein Ballroom together. Uh, yeah. Um, I'm reading some of these Matt Cardona tweets. They're pretty vicious. Oh, are, did you just tw- uh, Twitter search him? If people like me didn't come to GCW, people it's wouldn't great. tune it to see pe- someone I 
he can't even spell. He can't no, even he can't. no, he can't. No, he can't. He's okay. having the run of his life after being let go by WWE. He has become just an absolute internet sensation. He cut a promo that was reworking the lyrics of Bye Bye Bye. Okay. How great is that? Come on. Come on. I, I don't care. All right. Uh, Hardcore Luchador asks question. How many five-goal games, uh, five-goal single game, single-player games have you been to? He said he's seen one Ovi versus the Ducks. Kevin from the Sharks has seen one Mike Ricci against the Sharks. So, uh, Is that rhetorical? Is that just like a flex? I think I it's just a flex. Because I, I, I don't know if I've ever seen a four-goal game. I'm trying to think. Um, being a Habs fan, you don't see a lot of goals usually on the West Coast. So I'm going to say no. Yeah, I mean, especially not live. Yeah, no. Uh, yeah, no. Uh, I will say my favorite uh, hat trick I ever went to was when Corey Perry scored 50. Ooh, nice. Yeah, hat trick got one. the 50th goal. Um, all right. Uh, PC Main said... Do you think uh, the Ducks would consider dealing Stolars for something at the deadline and tandem Gibson and Dostal for future? I think that makes sense. Like, like I think the, the Ducks goalie situation is interesting because you can make a, a case either way. I think you could just hang on to Stolars and just kind of ride that out um, and then keep, you know, let Dostal continue to develop. You could also trade Gibson and trade Stolars and Dostal next year. Uh, or you could do what's what's being proposed here, which is deal Stolarz. I think Stolarz is a good backup. Um, his performances are a little erratic, but overall, like on the net, he's a good he's a good positive value add. So I'd be kind of reluctant to let him go. But you have Lucas Dostal, so he's got to play at some point. I, I'm not not hundred percent. I'm not hundred percent sure if there's like a right or wrong there. Yep. Uh, CJ KHL who said. If the Ducks trade Raquel and Manson, where do you think they both end up? Uh, well, Raquel, we've talked a lot about for Boston, right? Boston or Philly? Yeah, I also think Toronto maybe could get in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then Manson. Where do you think Manson might end up? Well, Manson's got the, the no trade, right? Yeah, he has a limited no trade clause. I think he has like a 10-team no list. Let me double-check Yeah, he's on got that, a 12-team no trade list. 12-team no list. So I think Winnipeg is on there. If yeah. uh, last season is to be believed. So I don't really know. Like I, I would need to know the list. If Josh Manson is listening to this, uh, send us your no trade list. Yes. And, and then we can answer this question. Yes. Yes. There you go. Uh, I've seen some people say maybe Florida, but they've kind of, they're kind of set on the right side. So I don't really see that happening with, I mean, they've got Montour, they've got Ekblad, they've got Uyghur. They kind of are set on that right. Uyghur. Side. Uyghur. Did I, yeah, what did I say? Yeah, yeah whatever. Yeah, we are. Um, yeah. I mean, the problem with 12 is that it's almost half the league. So um, it, it's kind of hard to, to like, you have, you have Calgary, like a, maybe? You have almost like a one in two chance of getting it wrong. Whoever Calgary could make some sense, I think. In division, though? Who cares? Do they care? Do the Ducks no. care about that? He's a rental. Well, let's see. Their right side is Chris Tanev, Rasmus Anderson, Goodbranson. I mean, yeah, they have a bunch of guys. I don't, I don't know if I see that. Um, I'm trying to look at teams. Yeah, I'm LA. <laughs> I mean, is that sure. too close? Too close to home? I mean, I mean if it's I mean, if he's a rental, maybe. They're, Why they're, not? Their right side is Dowdy, Roy, and Dursey. And I know that they like those guys, and I think Matt Roy has decent numbers, but it feels like Manson would make sense in there. I don't know. Um, outside of that. 
Hmm. Yeah, I, I can't, don't know. I can't hard. think of anything else. Yeah, it's hard because it's specifically the the twelve Mi- Minnesota maybe. I mean, like, here's my question. First off, do we think Josh Manson is still good? Um, and then, do we what, th- what do teams we, would think he's still good? Do we still think teams think he's good? Because last year we were pretty set on like, yeah, teams still love Josh Manson. I, I do. But this year, I mean, he's been. Would you say he's been like slightly above replacement level, like at best? Yeah, I mean Edmonton would make a lot of sense, but they're not dealing their first. Is what well, the they thing said. with Edmonton is that they need, like, they just need any competent defenseman, and he is he is that. I will give him that. Um, so, but yeah, you want to get at least a, I mean, you want to get a second or a first for him. So, I don't know if Edmonton does that. Yeah, and, and so that's the question is. Is Ken Holland bluffing there? What's going well, on there? We also know that he would accept the trade to Edmonton. I feel like that would be on the list. I think he. I think that he would because his dad's from there. Yeah, but his dad played in Winnipeg, and he doesn't want to play in Winnipeg. So did his dad? Well, no, but I think like Manson was like born and raised near Edmonton. Now I need to look this up. I thought he was born in Manitoba. <sighs> now, now, now we're just all on the. He was rails. born in Illinois. Yeah, his dad but was playing for the Blackhawks. Did you, but I think didn't he, you just say born and raised in in Edmonton? Did I say born? I didn't I mean born. Did. I meant I meant. <laughs> I think you did. I'm I sorry. I, I didn't mean that though. My apologies. Uh, let's see. Uh, Saskatchewan. Yeah, so not Edmonton. Well, yeah, just just at all. Yeah, yeah. He you know, played. So you win some, you lose some. You lose some. He played for. <laughs> The Sam, this is a great name. The Salmon Arm Silverbacks of the BCHL, um, and the Flin Flon, Flin Flon Bombers. <laughs> where is Flin Flon? It has to be somewhere, right? Can someone tell it's me in, where Flin Flon is? It's in Saskatchewan. Here, let's Flin, see. Flin it's, no, Flon. it's in Manitoba. So he pretty much grew up everywhere but Alberta slash Edmonton. <laughs> like, like, I'm sorry, but you've. <laughs> You've taken a drastic L here. Yep, yep, yep. Sometimes you know. Flinflon is. Oh my god. Why would you want to spend time there? Are you seeing? Are you seeing this on the map? Yes. It's, it's like I, legit. I'm putting the. I I have Google Maps open on the screen. This is now just become <laughs> a geography show. Hold on, let me pull up the, the stream. Look at that. That is legitimately the middle of nowhere. Like actually, and I and I'm praying that I'm praying. If you are listening to this right now and you are offended by this because you live in Flint Flon, let us know. Please leave that in a review or hit us up on Twitter. I am begging you. But look at that like, on the map. Look at the amount of lakes that are around there. I mean, that's kind of cool, I guess, right? It's and all water. All the while, it's like minus 100 degrees. Um, it's right on the border of Saskatchewan and Manitoba. I mean, yeah, the lakes thing is pretty cool, actually. It's a like, lot of lakes. Um, it doesn't but, look like there's anything around there. Like it I looks like get, that's it. It must get so dark there. Picture playing that playing uh going there. How old would he have been? Let's see. I feel like the only things to do there are like drink and play hockey. So right? he would have gone there in two thousand nine and he's almost the same age as me. So I think he would have been eight seventeen, eighteen years old. Okay, so I'm looking I'm now on Street View on Google Maps. And the view of the lake is, is it's beautiful. <laughs> I'll say that it's nice. I got to say a positive thing about it. Right. Um, it looks nice. There's the prospector in let's check this out. Uh, four stars. What is this podcast become? 
I, I really want to see if there's any reviews. Are there any reviews? <laughs> Four out of five stars. Clean hotel, friendly staff. We got a room with two beds. Okay. Pretty good for a motel. Just need to ask for two more pillows if sharing the bed with someone. Very thin. <laughs> wow. Okay. Well, hey, uh, prospect are in in Flin Flon. Looks like the pillow game has got to be stepped up a little bit. Anyway. Wow. <laughs> what a turn this show has taken. Yeah. A turn for the better, I would argue. Um, yeah. So Josh Manson played in Flin Flon. Yeah. Yeah. Played in Flin Flon. Uh, managed to get out of Flin Flon. I think is like, how do you even like, how do you even get out of there? Like, like you've got, some dri- you've got some driving to do. Uh, maybe you take like a small regional plane. I don't know. <laughs> It's just... C- CJ Kitchell says, I just wanted to know where Manson could end up, you freaks. Yeah, sorry oh, about it. Sorry. Wow. Wow. Um, yeah. I got to figure out where we are, we're at with questions because that took us uh, on a really big side. A side Down trip. a dark road. <laughs> Austin Price, almost as dark as Flin Flon. Uh, from your previous point, do you think Getzloff still plays in two, three years as just a fourth line center? I think he will retire if he can't dominate. Uh, sorry, I, I missed that. Can you repeat that? Do you think Getzloff plays in two to three years as a fourth line center? It's funny because today, what was it on Shane Doan talking to Jeff Merrick, and he used the example of Getzloff accepting playing as a fourth line center for Team Canada as uh, the the selfless nature of Team Canada. But I don't know. Getzloff strikes me as a very, very, very competitive athlete, and I feel like as long as he can still do it to any degree, he will stick it out. Like he's not dominant right now, right? I mean, he's he's fine, so he's already not really meeting this this threshold, um, and he's still playing. So I, I think he'll stick around as long as he can. Yeah, as long I, as long as the body lets him really, like that's yeah. the big thing. Uh, let's see, let's hit a couple more questions. Uh, Hardcore Luchador, our good friend Sean said the Stadium Series OC logo is perfect. Why do you agree? That logo is actually amazing, and I don't know why they did not use it more. Eh, it's it's okay. You didn't like that the logo that was like OC with the interlocking logo and everything like it was really cool. I liked it. It's okay. It's fine for a one time, one off. Wow. Why yeah. why do you whatever. Hardcore Luchador all said, what would it take to get a very disgruntled McDavid? Uh it won't happen. Unless you think he's actually getting traded at some no. point or another. No. Yeah. Trevor Zegoat has two questions. We'll end with these. Uh hey, just got here. Do you think Kevin Weeks will get interviewed? I, you know, I think Kevin Weeks is a great commentator. Love the work that he does. But what qualifies him to be an NHL GM? Can someone please explain this to me outside of literally having played in the NHL? Like, like, I get that he's a fun guy. I, I get, I get all of that. But we're the ones always railing against just you know the the retread machine, just getting the former players. Uh, on name brand value, and that's what this screams to me. If you bring in a Kevin Weeks, so maybe he might do a good job. Maybe this is just me being uh, curmudgeonly, but I no, it's a no. Uh, do you think Perry's number will be retired, and do you think Bobby Ryan's will be retired? Uh, Bobby Ryan's is not going to be retired, uh, seeing as really? it's already been retired. Uh, may I uh, may I present you number fifty four? He's not having number 54 retired. Uh, Perry's number is 100% being retired. Bobby Ryan's number nine is already retired, so won't be retired again. 
Didn't play right. long enough to There's get a number There's one more retirement. question. There's one more question. Ducks have, the Ducks have uh, 45 points at the halfway mark. Do they get more or less than 45 in the second half? Well, are they actually halfway? How many games have they played? Yeah, they've played 41. Ooh. I'm tempted to go under here. Tempted. Uh, but uh, I don't. What would what would you set the line at? Like I don't know. I'll, I'll go under because I I think that they're gonna sell and that's gonna affect their their current roster. I'll go over. You're thinking they're gonna be better than they've been. Mm-hmm. Okay. What's the path for that exactly? The roster is gonna get worse. True. All right. Under. Okay. I talked you off it. Sorry. I grabbed Salem and I wasn't really thinking too much. <laughs> You know, I was that's very what, worried about Salem. That, that, that's what being with animals does, though. It takes you out of mm-hmm. out of the fray and just yep. relaxes you. Salem um, said hi to everyone. Uh, yeah, I love the comment about uh, Melrose was a fair coach and became a good commentator. Maybe that's a week. Yeah. Um, how how did Barry Melrose's uh, second coaching stint go? Anyone anyone want to talk about that? Because uh, it was a disaster. Is the answer okay? Uh. Eat my ass and Reese said Salem took the over. <laughs> that is he, not what I thought you were going to say for a second there. Um, Salem took the over. Hey, I mean, it, I just, the case for what the over think? would be that they're going to be better, no? What do you think, Salem? Anyway, yeah, if if he does become the GM, they will never be able to trade to Calgary. That is true. The, 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 the Kachuk fake rumor. Oh, that's right. I was like trying to understand what that was a reference to. No, I got it right away. Clicked well, with there me. you go. You know, sometimes you win some, sometimes you lose some. Well, I think that we have won some on this podcast more than we have lost. I would agree with that. And I think it might be time to, to wrap up unless you've got anything else. Any recommendations? I uh, recommended cold showers at the top of the show. Uh, Book of Boba Fett's entertaining. Uh, you could also go ahead and. I love that you said that it's entertaining because I feel like that's the most that's the most you can say. It's the most you can say. Yeah, you don't want to spoil it. Come on, you want to be okay. a jerk. Uh, Cobra Kai also very fun. Enjoyed that. Um, you know, go watch wrestling. Wrestling's fun right now. You know, it feels a little perverted to make this recommendation. <laughs> Maybe perverse is the better word. But go the NFL playoffs have been really fun. I was screaming my face off watching Cowboys Niners yesterday. So it's been a lot of fun. Also, for any wrestling fans, go support Danhausen, one of the funnest guys out there and broke his leg a while ago. Go support him. Buy a shirt. Buy a micro brawler like me. Well, on that note, if you want to support us, if you want to support the show that you just listened to, uh, there's a couple of ways that you can do that that are going to help us keep this thing going. The number one way is our Patreon page, patreon.com slash crash the pond for $1 a month. That's it. $1. You get access to our patrons only discord server, which is so much fun. Uh, it's really become its own awesome ducks community. Uh, everyone is in there to have a good time to discuss different ideas about the team to chat as the games are happening to talk about trades moves. And we have a bunch of different channels. So there's a food channel where we, you get some very interesting takes. Let's just put it that way. You get the general chat where we just talk about anything and everything. Uh, can uh, I just expose what the last thing was in the food? Let's make this thing. The last message in the food yeah, gets, that, I gets like said I like every that. single time. Like uh, it, it's from, and beware, it's from Lewis. Oh, God. 
No. Lewis X. Do we have to do this? Do we have to do this? <laughs> you agreed to this. Uh, yeah, well, I cup- didn't know it was him. <laughs> cup pepperoni is the best kind of pepperoni. Okay. I mean, that's on, on, on the Lewis scale, that's like a great take, right? <laughs> I mean, am I wrong about that? Sure. Is it, is it? I mean, I don't know. I don't have a strong opinion. I don't. I don't have a strong pepperoni opinion either. There is something to the cupping, though, of, of pepperoni. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing like a good cup. Um, all right. So that's for one dollar a month. <laughs> one dollar a month. Uh, it's it's the best. Honestly, you it's you could. There's so many worse ways to spend a dollar. Just just go ahead and do it. You won't regret it. Um, for five dollars a month, though, you get access to the server. And you get access to two bonus episodes a month. And so on the last show, Jake and I had a big picture discussion on the Ducks, where we think things are headed, um, then had a very off-topic discussion of Book of Boba Fett at the end. Um, but if you're also a patron, you get to put in topic suggestions in the Discord chat. And so that helps kind of guide the discussion as well. Um, so if you enjoy the regular shows that we do well, you get two more of them a month, and they're a little more unfiltered. Let's just put it that way. If you like the Flin Flon talk, oh boy. Should I say this on air, but we also spill a bit more tea on that show sure. than we do here? Sure. We say some things we wouldn't say on the regular show. Hopefully this doesn't get us in trouble. Um, <laughs> but check it out, right? That's the whole lore there. Um, yeah, and if you just really, really, really like our show and you just want to really help it as much as you can... Um, you can pledge $15 a month. And so you're going to get access to all the different tiers that we talked about. I covered this in the last show, but I'll say it again. We are not doing the watch along anymore. So the $15 tier is just a big, a a great big hug that you're giving us every single month. Essentially. We really do appreciate it. That's at patreon.com slash crash the pond. Now you don't have to do that though, to, to help this show keep going, keep those lights on, uh, keep my ring light on. There's another way to do that. You just search us on Apple Podcasts and you search Crash the Pond. You can leave us a rating and leave us a review. Uh, And if you do leave that review, we will read it on the show. In the past, we have gotten some awesome ones. The more inside jokes, the better. Uh, Those really give us a smile. And And, Oh, you want to talk about Spotify? Yep, I was about to jump in and say this. And now, in addition to, to Apple Podcasts, if you are primarily a Spotify user like me, Obviously, still go to Apple Podcasts, do that because you can do the review along with it that we can read. But there's also now ratings on Spotify. That is a new thing. It's actually interesting where you cannot do it if you have not listened to the show. So you can only do it for shows that you've listened to to get feedback from people that actually listen to the show. So we currently have about 25 ratings. So if you like the show, you use Spotify. If you just go to the podcast page, scroll up to the top, there's a star button. If you hit that, you can give us a five-star uh, rating and really help get the show out there. And from what I've heard, it really just puts our show in front of more people. If you, uh, more people are hockey fans or things like that, our show will get pushed in front of them and more people can see the show. So it just helps with that type of stuff if you can really uh, lend a hand there. Right. I mean, look at it this way. How many seats are there in Honda Center? 17,000? Ish. So, so until we get to seventeen thousand downloads an episode, I, I think there's still room to grow. Until every single fan in attendance is listening, there's there's I mean, room to grow. You realize that there are more fans than than can fit in the building, right? Yes, but seventeen thousand would be a lot. That is true. Let's just put it that way. You know, we we could set goals high. Yeah, twenty twenty two is the year to shoot your shot. Can we still do New Year's jokes? By the way, is it or is there a statute of limitations on that? 
No, I don't know. Okay. You don't have to answer. Uh, you can also find us on YouTube, youtube.com slash crash the pond. You can see the video version of the show. You can see basically the, the, the video of the Twitch stream. So you can see all the different graphics. You can see maps of the North pole on this time around that we put up with Flint Flon. Um, and so that's at youtube.com scratch pond. You can subscribe and also make sure to turn on your notifications. Leave us a comment and uh, Jake will respond to it and I will read it and maybe laugh. Who knows? Think about it. Help, help Jake respond. Uh, outside of that, a couple of other ways you can find us at our website, crash the uh, If you like our beautiful logo, you can buy a t-shirt or a hoodie with on it, with it on it. Uh, that's at crashthepond.com slash shop. We have more articles coming up there. Um, we have an article that came out now a couple of weeks ago. Uh, it was a writer's roundtable, but I think a lot of it still applies. Uh, a lot of hot takes from the different contributors to the, to the site. Shout out to everyone who chipped into that. Also, and, go check out uh, Bobski put up an article about what right. he thinks needs to happen at the deadline. Also. That was a good one, too. Yeah. Yep. yep. Read, and read so, that. Yep. Edited it, actually. Um, you know, I actually never say when I edit and publish. I just I just ghost it. I do it and then don't. Wait, were you the reason why that... Look, we'll take this off air. That got posted when it was supposed to be delayed till the next day. Oh, shit. Uh, okay. <laughs> Mike, well, it was it was Felix that did it. Well, never mind. Actually, that wasn't me. That wasn't me. <laughs> not, not for that one. Um, <laughs> and you can find us on social media at Crash the Pond. Jake is on Twitter at ReindeerGames91. I'm on Twitter at Felix underscore Sicard. So... That will do it for the show today, guys. Thank you so much for listening, and we will talk to you next week. Have a good one. Bye.